Welcome to Inside the Fence Line, a Central Maryland AFCA small business podcast where we talk to the thought leaders, business owners, and technical experts shaping the world of defense and intelligence. I'm your host, Jason Barber, and today we will be speaking with TJ Grenier, the president of Clarity Business Solutions. TJ has over 20 years of experience in government contracting and is actively involved in organizations such as AFCIA. In this episode, we will be discussing the hustle needed to build a company, taking risks in business, and scaling yourself and your company. Welcome, TJ. Hey, Jason. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's get started uh, at the beginning. When when you and I first spoke, uh, you shared some of the early days getting started and how you got clarity off the ground. It sounded pretty hectic. You had a lot going on in your life. Um, can you talk a little bit how you got started and some of the things you were dealing with? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll kind of start from the beginning of how clarity started. But uh, so I'm a Pittsburgh native, uh, originally from Western Pennsylvania. So uh, I was uh, at the University of Pittsburgh at that time, um, was actually working at Westinghouse uh, Electric Company, uh, kind of Westinghouse proper in Pittsburgh. So it was a really cool way to start my career. Um, that's where I, where I started right out of my undergrad uh, at the University of Pittsburgh. I had a, a degree in computer engineering, uh, and I was working with a lot of nuclear engineers at uh, Westinghouse, which was really cool at the time. We were uh, writing software to help kind of automate their uh, safety analysis calculations that they they did within the within the company, and uh, I was uh, doing Java programming at the time, working with them. Learned a lot about the the company and in the, the process, but um, always had kind of an interest of uh, starting my own business. Uh, at the time, I was considering going back to to grad school, so I started my MBA program uh, at the University of Pittsburgh. And during that process, I was like, hey, you know, what's it take to start a business? So I was taking a lot of courses around this. So um, Myself and a, and a partner at the time, uh, we had been doing some some kind of moonlighting software development. We actually wrote a, a point of sale software solution at the time. This is, but now you got to. I'm dating myself a little bit, so this is like early 2000s, right? So this is before uh, they were really ubiquitous in terms of uh, those opportunities as they are today. Uh, but at the time, like we were, we wrote a uh, a program for a, a local pizza shop that we had worked at in high school, and uh, and started you know, interfacing with cash drawers and receipt printers and all these things, which was, you know, at the time, interesting. I was doing that in the evenings. We're like, hey, can we actually do something with this? And so uh, we started a business around that. Clarity was the, Clarity Business Solutions was the name. And um, and never really, you know, it's really a, a, a scaling business in that space. But uh, we uh, we never really kind of grew that very very far. But we, we put, we installed that solution in a couple other shops uh, in that local area. But that's really how, Clarity started, and I did it when I was in the uh, in the MBA program. It was really a, a, like, what's it take to to start a business, right? It was this kind of facade to me. Like, I, I, it was I really didn't understand what all what all what all it involved. So in the beginning, it was very just kind of like a side business, side hustle for for uh, for myself. Um, I started uh, my partner and I kind of went in different paths. Um, so I really wanted to kind of go down that small business path and like see where I could could take this. And I started uh, doing like Ruby on Rails development. You know, this is now mid 2000s timeframe. Uh, this is before TeamSnap and all those things. We were writing um, uh, integrated uh, web application for local volunteer organizations and uh, sports programs in the Pittsburgh area. So uh, we, we wrote software solutions where they could do their membership application. Kids could have profiles that they were interacting with, with colleges with and things like that. And that's kind of where we started doing some of those things on, on the side again as well. And, and then eventually, um, 
you know, my time at Westinghouse kind of was up for me and I transitioned. This is after, you know, this is kind of the post 9-11 era. And I got, I started working for a defense contractor um, that eventually got me into like this industry, this space. And so uh, that was all kind of my, my full-time job and Clarity kind of was always kind of sitting in the, in the background waiting for me to, you know, uh, have an opportunity to work for my business full-time. So it sounds like very early on you were hustling. Uh, sounds like you're very bus- uh, busy. Um, is that something that you think helped you be successful and, and help get the company started? Yeah, I mean, that's that's always kind of been my background. I was always uh, it's kind of a family trait, a hard worker. I listened to my uh, my father and my uncle at the time talk about, you know, their interests of, you know, maybe starting a business at some point. And that's really what kind of planted that seed in my mind. Um, but I was always like willing to kind of go that extra mile. Like some people look back and they're like, what, you know, and even still today and some of the things I'm involved with, people think like, what the heck are you doing? You're running a business, you're involved in FCA, you, you, you have all these extracurricular things going on. How do you do it? And, um, you know, and, and I think hustle is a good way to, to, to kind of look at that. It takes a lot of more grit and determination to kind of press forward. So, you know, when I was starting Clarity, like in the, in the evenings and on the side, and even how I got into this industry, I was living in Pittsburgh and driving down to this area to start working uh, in the Fort Meade space, right? So um, those were long days. Um, you know, I was in grad school, so I would literally sometimes leave my my job down here and drive to Pittsburgh for my night classes and, and do all those things. And and I look back now, you know, I'm an older guy, like I don't know how I did it. It was like, it was just, I, I was determined in terms of my goals that I wanted to get my MBA program. I was really fascinated with the opportunities and work that I was doing in this space. And so it was, you know, it's kind of at this like point of well, which direction do I want to go? Do I want to stay in Pittsburgh? Do I want to move down in this area? And so my wife and I had a, a, a conversation you know, after I finished grad school and said, Hey, let's, uh, let's try this opportunity and, and move down here. So I, so we moved, uh, we're really the first ones in our family to kind of go away from the Pittsburgh area. We have a lot of family back, back home. Um, but we moved down here as a, we had, a, we joked it was a five-year plan. Let's give it a shot. And 14 years later, here we are and pretty, pretty rooted uh, with our, with our family here in, in business. And uh, I don't see us uh, moving anywhere anytime soon. So I'm curious about that, that you were new to the area, um, you know, starting a small business in the area, any new market is, is challenging and networking is a, a key thing. How did you approach that when you were down here? I know that you've been involved in FCA for a while and we're on FCA podcast. Were there organizations that you were working with? Were there um, groups? How did you make a name for yourself? Like, how did you build your network being new to the area? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great question. We, um, so when I came here, I really didn't know anybody, right? I knew the people that I, I worked around. And I was very fortunate when I, when I first started here, I worked with really tremendous folks in, in the part of the organization that we were supporting, uh, had an opportunity to interact with a lot of really just amazing people. And that's really what kind of brought me to this area, like the people I was working around. You know, I, people say that all the time, uh, put yourself in a room where you're challenged. Uh, and and I, was, I really felt challenged technically uh, for the programs that we were supporting. Um, but I had some really good advice. And I, I feel very fortunate uh, along the way in terms of uh, just folks that I've interacted with, either through work uh, or organizations that I was a part of, uh, giving you kind of advice, right? I mean, and that's, you know, people talk about mentorships and things like that. And there's formal ways to do that. But a lot of, for me, it was just interactions and, and good advice I got from folks uh, along the way. And one of those was uh, a really close family friend in the Pittsburgh area um, that we knew through, my wife and I are big into uh, 
uh, skiing and, and and things. We could talk about that. That's a whole separate uh, discussion. But so I met a lot of people um, kind of growing up while I was in undergrad at, uh, at Seven Springs up in Pennsylvania. It's a wide range of, of folks, but a really close family friend lived in the Virginia area, traveled up on the weekends, similar to what my wife and I do now. Um, and he worked in the you know, kind of intelligence DOD space and made a recommendation that says, you need to get involved in the AFCA chapter. And, um, and he gave me one other organization that I can't remember the name of now, but it was like, when I, by the time I got down here, it was like, it didn't really exist. So, but AFCA did. So I, I reached out at the time and just, um, I was in the like emerging leader or young FCNs back in the day, uh, that group and, and, and just said, Hey, I'd like to get involved. I don't really know a lot about the organization and just kind of showed up at a meeting. <laughs> and it was, it's funny, uh, um, for everyone out there, if you if you want to get involved in FCA, come see me because it's an easy way to get kind of get pulled in. But um, I raised my hand and just start volunteering for some organizations and really went from walking into a room of people where, that I didn't know a soul to eventually just through work and dedication, uh, getting to know a lot of people. And there's a lot of really great people in our industry. So, you know, we're very fortunate as a community uh, that we have a lot of very just, you know, uh, mission focused, passionate people in this space that uh, I really feel a, I have a privilege of getting to know and get to work alongside of. And, and FCA was really a great networking uh, opportunity for me starting out. And I believe you're still involved pretty heavily, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, so I was involved uh, very actively early on. And then as our, uh, our kids got a little older, my uh, volunteer time and extra time uh, was kind of was was a challenge to uh, to find to find all that free time. So I took a break. I stayed involved. I've always been a part of uh, the kind of STEM education portions, um, the Kickstarter program. I've been on that selection committee since its inception, and for the last several years, and, and stayed involved in that activity. And then uh, and then got more involved again this year, um, where uh, Brooke kind of reached out and we were speaking of you know the chapter, the vision, kind of where we see things going, and uh, and kind of pulled me back into the loop. So I'm currently the Vice President of the chapter. Um, feel very fortunate to have that role. Um, we are a very thriving. I think we're the largest chapter or um, in the in the FCA international enterprise, and um, it's uh, it's really cool to be a part of. We do some really really great things as the organization. So, like we talked about, networking is is one of those aspects that you get out of being associated with FCA. But we have a, a huge community impact. Uh, through FCA as well. And that's through the STEM education programs that we have, both through scholarships, uh, as well as the impact we have through the Kickstarter programs, which are for the K through 12 schools in the local areas. Um, I, you know, I've loved being a part of that program and just seeing the impact that uh, the dollars that come through all of our events um, have on local schools and just the excitement in the teacher's eyes when they get a project, a special project funded that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do for their kids. Um, it's really, really just, just an awesome experience to be a part of. Yeah, and I believe a lot of the uh, groups that you mentioned, like the young leaders or the emerging leaders, I think those groups are still going on and it sounds like uh, it'd be a good suggestion for any aspiring business owner to get involved. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And and going on, I think they're thriving. Um, like I, when I remember when we started, it was a much smaller group. I, I, you know, I've been to some of the emerging leader socials. Uh, I don't fully... Uh, uh, hit the mark anymore of the under 40, but, uh, but I still, still show up to, to interact. And, uh, 
I mean, there's just uh, a ton of, uh, of folks active in that uh, community and in the uh, the events that they're involved with. I mean, it's just fantastic to see the growth of the chapter. And and I highly recommend it to anybody out there uh, who's considering, you know, how do I get to know more folks in the space? And and it's part of partly just you know raising your hand and being involved. It's a, it's kind of a labor of love, right? I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but uh, you get to know people really well when you're uh, you're working side by side to uh, to help put on some of the big events that uh, the chapter hosts. That's good. So I, I'd like to build off of that. Um, some of the audience or are, are, are the goal of this podcast is to really kind of help those that are maybe starting a business or those that are in the community. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say like starting a business in this is, is hard, right? I mean, there's a lot of work. You've talked about some of the hustle that you've had to put in. So I would like to hear, I mean, what's your view on starting a company? What, what are the things that you wish you would have knew before you started the company? Any lessons that the audience can take away? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, right? When I when I was first starting the company, you couldn't have told me anything that I like couldn't do, right? And I, you know, in some cases maybe I was a little naive, but in another, I just had this kind of vision that um, I felt I could do things different and better, right? So the first thing I'll say, and anytime I talk to folks, is kind of find your why. Like, why are you starting a small business, right? Um, you know, a lot of times I hear people talk like financially, and like that's that that has the potential, but if that's the only driver, uh, I think that's uh, that's you'll struggle with that. For me, uh, and for Clarity, I was—I really wanted Clarity to be impactful, to, to, for us to support programs where we were re- really focused on the client, the mission. I, I absolutely love and feel honored and privileged uh, for the clients that we support. And we're expanding that portfolio uh, as, a, as a business, but like that's really what the passion and kind of drive was to start the business. And, and the financial part was kind of separate. For me, it was more of like the freedom to have more of a direct impact on the decisions that I was uh, making, the strategic focus of the business that uh, really got me excited. And the reason I say that, that's the hindsight piece, is that starting a business isn't easy. Like I talk to folks a lot of... Um, have a lot of great partners in the space that will help you out, but nobody's going to hand you money. No one's going to say, here you go. Like it's, uh, it takes a lot of grit and determination and there's, has the highest highs and the lowest lows. Uh, you know, we've, I've lived through in the last, uh, decade of, of working in this space, a lot of very interesting times. Uh, you know, we went through sequestration, which was tough times back in the mid, you know, 2013 timeframe. Uh, we all just kind of came through an unprecedented time of running a business through COVID where there was just so much uncertainty and I think you really got to just kind of, you know, step back to the kind of moral ground of like, why are you doing this? What's what's your purpose uh, to kind of keep you grounded and, and focused? Because uh, that was uh, that was very, very, very challenging thing to kind of manage through. Um, my thoughts and goals in terms of running the company has always been to be very transparent and open with all of our employees. And and my goal was to create a company that I wanted to to work within or for or as, or as a part of. And that's always been my kind of driver is to be very employee centric. Uh, I think we do a, I think we do a pretty good job, but it's, uh, as we get bigger, it's not, uh, it's not easy, right? Starting out is, uh, um, it's not, it's not easy, but it's like, you can get going, right? You start out because you have some skill or something you want to do. And for me, it was, I love engineering. I love working on, on contracts and I love you know, just the problem solving aspects of, uh, of the program. And, and you get to a point for COVID was a reflection point for me. I was just kind of hustling to the point of like working nonstop, right? I was working on contract. I was running the business in the evenings and many, many people, that's how you start a small business. But COVID made me kind of step back and say, hey, hit the pot. Everybody had to kind of hit the pause button, right? And then you start reflecting on like, what do I want to do? Like my kids are getting older. 
family time. It's like, you know, how do you find that balance? And, and to be honest, I don't know that I do. I, uh, I try to do the best that I can uh, to be, you know, present for my family and, and also providing for my family and my team, my team, my company. And so um, that's a, uh, that's something I struggle with uh, day in, day out. But I do know that as I get older, I don't want to work uh, nonstop. And so it's trying to, trying to kind of find that balance of, uh, of running the business and, and being present. The one, the one thing I will say, too, is uh, if you're starting a business and you have a partner, spouse, what have you, like you really need to be lockstep with that person. I feel I'm very fortunate. Uh, I have a very tolerant wife who puts up with my uh, my kind of drive and push and focus. And uh, and I say that jokingly and she and I talk about that. But it's um, the business takes a lot of time and energy. And, and when you're running a business, you don't get to defer to someone else. So the vacation time or, you know, whatever it is you're, you're doing, like you're always kind of on. You're always available if something's happening or something's moving and, and, and that's the kind of hustle aspect of it. If you check out you, yeah, for me, it's always the, or, you know, what am I missing? But it's, uh, it makes that a challenge. And, uh, and I, and I joke with folks too, is I feel like sometimes people live, uh, live through the Instagram lens of like, uh, what you do as a business owner. Right. And, and I, you know, I feel very fortunate. I have a very, uh, uh, you know, fun, group of friends and family and things that we do. So a lot of people see the, Hey, TJ skiing with his, his kids or whatever it is, but they don't see that, uh, 20 minutes earlier, I was on a phone call in the parking lot while they were, you know, eating lunch, or I was up until midnight or one o'clock in the morning while we're on vacation, getting, uh, something out the door. My, my favorite story I tell people all the time is and my wife wanted to kill me for this one is we went on a, um, uh, an Alaskan cruise, which was fantastic. If anybody's interested, that was an awesome experience, but there was a proposal due. And so I literally was sitting in a porthole, finishing up a, like a cost volume for something uh, in the middle of the Gulf of Alaska. So that I could get this sent off and, and moved on. But it's like, those are the, those are the aspects of running a business. You just got to have to to work with. And, and again, I've, I feel very fortunate that uh, my wife uh, put kind of puts up with that, takes care of like the kids and things while I'm out, uh, getting these things taken care of. But I think that's really important to make sure that you're on the same page there because it could be uh, it could be a, a very challenging aspect of your relationship, if not. Yeah, you, you had a lot of interesting things in there. And uh, I, I guess one thing is that I've spoken to a lot of folks that are interested in starting companies and, and I haven't really gotten that answer as to why they're doing it. But well, one thing I've realized or that I want to hear what you think about is I don't know if you know the Donald Rumsfeld quote about the unknown unknowns and and whether there's things that we just don't even know we don't know. And I feel like there's probably a lot of those things when starting the business. Is, is there things that folks can do to really understand what you're saying, like to really understand the amount of work, the things that they're going to be responsible for before they get into the business? Because that's something that seems like that could be challenging, not knowing what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, I mean, for me, so when I started out, I, it was really um, talk to folks in the industry too. Like, you know, I, I've talked to folks as they're thinking about starting a business, and in some of the, the things we're discussing now is just talking through like the, the whys and and the and the aspects of like the the unknown unknowns, right? That that's a great uh, quote from a business perspective because there are so many things that you you challenge as you hit across the the way that you don't know the answer to, right? So it's really leveraging your network. I have a really great network of, of friends and colleagues in the space to, you know, can pick up the phone and, and, and ask a question. Have you experienced or seen this before? Uh, leveraging consultants, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I come from an engineering background that is very disciplined in terms of solving problems, right? And I think that's a, a good structure it provides to me when I'm approach, approaching business problems. But my MBA program is completely different, right? Business is different. You can approach things at 
vastly different ways and still be successful. And, and so that's the thing as you, as you go through is um, you can figure things out on your own, but it's also don't be afraid to reach out and ask a, like the phone a friend or reach out to consultants to help you. And that's one of the things that we've done in our business. So uh, from the very, very beginning, we started with a, um, a, an accountant that's our consultant. He's really been a, you know, become a partner of, I, I look at it as a partner of the business. He works with many of uh, uh, the other s- small businesses in our community, but he really kind of helped me in an area where I thought I knew, um, but really had a lot. I gained a lot from his experience over, over the years of making sure that our accounting system set up properly and is, uh, is structured that, you know, we started that day one as we were what, the first person I've heard stories of like people starting off their business. And then two years later, three years later, they bring someone in to help clean things up. And it's a, it's a challenge. My recommendation is like, take that's part of the cost of doing business, do that upfront and bring in that, that expertise. Uh, we do the same thing from like, we'll use security consultants to help us out um, for areas that like we know a lot about the general security aspects of what we do day in and day out. But uh, we leverage those consultants for staying up to speed with the changes that are occurring or being that resource that we can ask those tough questions to. Uh, you, you find things along the way that you're, you hit hurdles that you've never seen before. And it's like, hey, why is this person stuck? We had a, we had a person one time that was uh, kind of stuck in process for like 10 plus months, right? You hear these stories of being, and, and it finally just became a, a, a conversation at one of the FCA conferences to the uh, security officers like, hey, this is what's going on. Like, can you help us? And a phone call later and things start moving along, right? It's like, don't be afraid to ask. I guess that's the big thing with business too is everybody has different perspectives on this is that um, early on, I expected the, like the contracting officers just that we are supposed to know everything. Uh, at the end of the day, don't be afraid to ask if you don't know the the answer to a question, right? Especially it's the first time going through something because oftentimes we've helped identify problems that uh, many people were experiencing, but uh, until somebody's willing to raise their hand, uh, folks aren't aware of. And, you know, it could be a, an error in a template that you get when you're filling out a proposal. It could be something uh, from a contract mod that you're like, this doesn't make sense. The numbers aren't adding up. Like, don't be afraid to like reach out and say, hey, this is what's going on. To me, I always say, don't deflect your problem, right? Don't, don't just kind of throw it over to them, but like give them the, Hey, I found this problem. This is what I think is going, going wrong. This is what I would correct. You agree, right? Yeah. Cause like you've done your due diligence before you're just kicking it back to them. Uh, and that's, and that's voted well for us, um, as a business and helps establish like a good working relationship and partnership with those you work with. Yeah. That's really good advice. Um, they asking the questions, you know, everyone's kind of human. So there's going to be things that people miss and you can learn a lot. I, I did want to ask you started your career, you mentioned you were doing some of the point of sales. Um, so I would say that you have done a little bit of commercial or non-government con- you know, contracting work. What are the differences? Uh, you know, you mentioned some of the things that we have to deal with security and setting up proper accounting. It seems like there's a lot more regulations in our industry. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Is like, what are the things that people need to be paying attention to? And how is that different from starting a company you know, in the commercial world or just starting like a small web development firm? Yeah. Yeah. So for us, we haven't done a lot of things like commercial work on a larger scale yet. We're, we're starting to kind of tap into a little bit of that through a partnership we have. And I'll, and I'll touch on that for a second. But uh, the government contracting space specifically um, has a lot of regulations, rules that you have to kind of follow and comply with. So there is that kind of base level of like, doing business in this space. But for me, there's a lot of consistency here too, right? You can be a part of programs and contracts and really kind of be an impactful teammate or partner there. 
Um, we, uh, Clarity, we're, we've mainly been a subcontractor in this space for the last 10 years. We most recently um, did get our, our first kind of prime contract, which is a small contract we're working with the, the client on, but uh, really kind of opening our eyes up again to a different kind of avenue of working directly with the client and, and the ability to kind of have, a, have that impact that we talked about, about earlier. But for me, I think um, the government contracting has a lot of consistency, right? I mean, there, there's always volatility and shakeup of, you know, when uh, we're going through, you know, continuing resolutions and budgets and, and things of that nature. But uh, for us, we've been, it's been pretty consistent. And, and the reason I say that is the commercial side for us is there's a lot more fluctuation, right? It's, it's high demand, fast pace, more cost. Uh, um, you know, cost is always a, a, a challenge, you know, with, with either industry that you're in. But like it's, it's very kind of um, cost competitive on the commercial side that, that what we found in terms of uh, the work we've done there. And then also when are you getting paid? It could be six months, nine months later. Uh, we did some commercial work uh, where it took seven months to to get kind of processed versus we have a more consistent kind of flow and uh, billing cycle in the, in the government space. At least that's, that's my experience, right? It, what's really cool about our environments is everybody does different things, right? There's a mix of uh, what clients like what government co- clients you support. Some people mix in some commercial work there too. For us, the commercial work has really been a way to kind of continue that um, technical cre- um technical creativity or, or challenge that we're looking for and staying current uh, in our space. So, so Clarity, last year we created, we have a couple of strategic partnerships and one that we've kind of really expanded on. So we've partnered with uh, AWS, we've partnered with Elastic, and we've par- partnered with MongoDB. And largely those for, were for opening the doors for our employees to kind of further their kind of expertise in certain areas. In each one of those cases, we had folks that really loved that product space and wanted to get more actively involved. So we started working more with those clients. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the, the Mongo piece because that's been a really unique piece for us. We're one of five global partners with MongoDB uh, that focuses on public sector for them. So we've used Mongo for a countless number of years. You know, I love the platform, but more of what's been exciting for us is being that kind of res- resource or almost like kind of liaison between the government clients and the MongoDB technical engineer. So our folks have went through the same kind of certification or training process that a, a MongoDB engineer goes through. And then that allows us to kind of go out and support many, many different clients. So last year we we supported 19 different uh, clients, both commercially and in the public sector, uh, helping them through various things, not just like sometimes it was just setting up Mongo in their securely in their spaces. Other times it's, it's design data modeling uh, and kind of trade-offs of, of leveraging that platform. People that are looking to modernize and towards a more cloud native uh, application or architecture um, been actively involved in those stages. And then just, you know, simply transitioning relational databases and modeling them uh, to a, a document style um, solution. And so it's it's been really, really exciting for us. And it's helped us kind of uh, branch out a little bit of uh, where we've kind of grown up from, right? So we, we started, R- Clarity really grew in terms of like a footprint and became more of a business when I, I started full-time um, supporting our, our government co- kind of client space here in the Central Maryland chapter area. And and from there, we've kind of started to branch out with some of the expertise we have in, in helping helping other parts of the, the public sector. And that really ranges anywhere from the ICDOD to the Fed Civ space to even state and local governments uh, is what we've been supporting the last uh, last year. 
you mentioned AWS Elastic and, and Mongo, those relationships. I was, since it seems like you have your finger on the pulse a little bit, are you seeing an increase in um, usage of those type of tools and that government clients are moving towards using some of those commercial solutions instead of building in-house? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a mix, right? It's uh, it, it's a really variety, and it depends on the the program. Uh, generally speaking, the, the one I'll say in terms of where I, I we see the wave going, right? I think most of us are kind of looking at that now. Is is uh, AWS and the and really their kind of cloud platform, and and, it, and for me, it's AWS is one that we have had a lot of um, opportunity in in terms of supporting our clients in that space. So we went through um, and got folks certified in that in that lane, both DevOps, developer, um, just cloud architects in terms of, it's a different breed, right? You can take different models of like lifting and shifting and considering the cloud as like just another resource pool, but there's design uh, factors around uh, working with AWS that's, uh, you can really modernize your platform to be more dynamic, um, to be more uh, scalable uh, solutions, which I think is really exciting for our client space. And, uh, and that's somewhere where we've been investing as a business that we see as kind of the, the, the future there. So, um, but it's, for me, it's like AWS is, is a product space. We've worked a little bit with Azure. We worked with other, other cloud platforms as well. Um, it's, to me, it's the philosophy around it, right? It's almost you see this kind of through technology. It's like mind shifts of how we do business. And I think this is another, uh, another avenue of where we're kind of shifting towards a, a different way of doing business. So. I know that you uh, mentioned that expanding into those markets or in those areas, and then you've mentioned scale earlier. So how are you viewing scale at your company? Are you, well, how do you view scaling in general? I mean, and, and I'm going to let you run with that. And, and I mean, scaling the company, scaling yourself, scaling through processes, technologies, people, how are you handling that? Yeah, it's, uh, that's the, that's the fun part of where I think we are with clarity right now is like, is scaling the business so that we can continue to grow. And and when I say that it's growing through it's, it's growth, but maintaining that kind of core value. We've always been employee centric, uh, and our culture is really what kind of keeps us, uh, uh, kind of grounded in what we're doing. But the reality is, um, in, in all businesses, you hear that, you know, you need, you know, growth is important. I, I agree with that. And so as we get bigger, it's, uh, it's not as simple as just like, hey, things come to just me and, and we process and move on. It's trying to kind of create more of a structure with our back office. And we've been investing in that over the last few years uh, so that we can have a more clean onboarding process, uh, programmatic support, et cetera. Um, we do a lot of lo- looking at what systems we use, right? And there's there's always opportunities to just say, hey, buy this platform and it solves all your problems. And, I, and my, my thing is I always look at it is like, that's it's a two-way street, right? You buy a platform and you adapt to how it does things, or you look at how do you adapt your processes to a product or a customizable product or whatever, whatever that may be. Um, 2020 COVID time gave me a lot of time to reflect on that. We've automated a lot of our uh, timekeeping, accounting processes so that they're more efficient for us, uh, more efficient in terms of less time consuming and kind of manual, and also more efficient in the uh, feedback we get from them in terms of the reports that we use to kind of help drive the business. I, my focus has always been kind of making data-driven decisions so that I have information to kind of help me make a sound decision. Um, I, I'm Personality-wise, I like to make a decision to move on. So it's like it's one of those things that's kind of... Um, kind of get caught in the, in the shuffle there sometimes of like, 
what's enough information to make a good decision and move forward, right? And you can debate that uh, um, that question amongst 10 different business owners and get 10 different answers. But because uh, I, I really don't think that there's a right one, right? At some point, you have to know I've ha- I have enough information to make a decision. But we've we've spent a lot of time at Clarity trying to put systems in place so that we can be consistent and efficient, both from business operations and then also from how we do business, right? So oftentimes in our, our contracting space, you you can be successful in the org you work in, the program you support in, and you kind of work in that in that kind of silo or mindset of how they do business. Uh, for us, it's like we do a lot of really great things. It's how do we kind of bring that back to how Clarity does business in terms of how we run programs and operations? Because as we start to do more things out, outside of just the client space, um, that consistency is key, right? So I have some really great folks who one person likes to use this IDE, one person likes to do pipelines this way in terms of software development. It's like, how do we kind of bring some of those best practices uh, in-house so that uh, we have more efficiencies there? And to me, I don't think you ever kind of check that box, right? It's a constant moving target of, uh, you know, never settling for enough's enough. That's one thing with me is like, once we solve one problem, I'm like, okay, we're off to the next one or, or to then fine tuning what we just did. And it's like, to me, it's just that constant churn of, um, of, of constant improvements in, in the business. Are there, uh, the way that you've scaled and the, the way that you're doing it now, and you said you really reflected a lot during COVID times. I was curious, are there things that you wish you would have put in place when you first started the company that would have positioned you better for scale? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, right? Like it's a, it's a trade-off of cost and time, right? So in the beginning I had more time and not as much uh, funds to pay for things, right? So you almost kind of are forced to do more things just by, kind of grinding and, and, and making it happen. So um, I think if I were to f- reflect back, I probably would love to have some of the systems I have in place when we were half the size, right? I mean, I, I think that would have really been been helpful, but it's a, it was a trade-off, right? In terms of like, I had a little bit more time on my hands. Um, so the the manual was, manual ways of doing business were, were sufficient at that time. Whereas as we get bigger, I have less time, right? But um, so I need more efficiencies. And so I'm willing to invest uh, in, in, in products or uh, sometimes we even just do some things internally in-house that uh, improve our efficiencies in terms of business. Um, and so I think that's the major shift, right? And I think that's the struggle every business owner has when you, when you start is um, where am I going to spend my time? Where am I going to invest my money? Um, and, and then that kind of shifts and changes and morphs over time uh, as the company grows and, and you have different oppor- opportunities. So how do you view a scaling um, of your time and the people involved? And, and what I mean by that is for folks that are just getting started or companies that are, you know, under 10 folks, what is your advice on whether they should be bringing on overhead support, back office support, or should the owners or the managers be coming off a contract? Do you have, do you have views on how you, like the trade-off that you would think about that? Like that, that's one of the hardest things. And I know, you know, I talked about it, but I, I was curious what you would advise someone of how they would look at it. Yeah, I'll start with, there's no right answer here, right? It's different for every person. Um, for me personally, I, and I still, to this day, I miss my contract work, like on contract. So I still, I still do a little bit of that um, kind of mixed in. It's something I've never really fully been able to let go of. But as Clarity kind of scaled, I was full-time on contract um, through 40 people, right, for us. And that's different from some folks. Like people have different numbers. Like, hey, if I get to 10, I'm going to phase back. Or if I get to 20, I'm going to phase back. And really, again, 
that's all in terms of how you kind of operate the, the business of when that makes sense for you and what your focus is on. For me, I loved being kind of more in the, in the mission mix of what we were doing. That sacrifices some of the business opportunities of like talking to, uh, you know, teaming partners and proposal opportunities. Like it was always kind of a trade-off and a, uh, you know, where, where am I, am I going to be on site? Am I going to go meet with, meet with someone? Um, what I did around, like we were about 25 folks, we brought on an operations person that really kind of helped me significantly of that day-to-day operation stuff. Like, you know, the fire that pops up during the middle of the day and I'm, and I'm somewhere where I'm not aware of it. We had someone to kind of keep moving that forward. Um, that was a perfect mark for us to kind of help balance the business as we've gotten larger. Uh, to me, it's really focusing on the back office and efficiencies. Folks told me early on, like, oh, you need a really good finance person. I was always kind of was doing all that myself. Uh, you know, I was kind of wrapped around that. And I, I didn't really truly uh, firmly grasp the why until the last uh, few years where we brought on a director of finance recently. And instead of doing the lifting, I'm now focusing more on the uh, the reports and the and the in the actual data than doing, doing that myself. Right. That's something I wish I would have done earlier, you know, and that's a, a lot of people gave me that rec- recommendation to find a good kind of finance contracts person to help you uh, with the day to day. And I really think that's probably the first place to start as a, as a, a small business. Again, ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers, but uh, that's my perspective. And then I think, you know, operations. And when I say operations, it's that day-to-day support. You know, how are people doing? Working with the program managers on contract, uh, managing the opportunities we have. Like through our partnership with MongoDB, um, we have so many opportunities. It's almost like four times the normal volume of what I was doing uh, with our, our core business uh, that, I, that I deal with day in and day out. And there some are large pro- opportunities, some are smaller opportunities, but uh, they're they're it's, it takes a lot of kind of management structure to, to organize that. And that's, and those are, uh, it's, it's a fun time for us right now. I think there's a, we're just kind of scratching the surface of what we can do there. Well, it sounds like that you have a a lot of things going on and that you've been hustling since you started the company. So how are you able to avoid burnout? Uh, That's one of the hardest things it seems. Do you have any secrets or any things that you advice, any, any suggestions? Uh, so for me, it's, uh, it's my hobbies and the things that I do kind of outside of work. Right. So, um, my wife and I, so we talked a little bit earlier. So my wife and I are, are uh, big skiers. That's actually how we met. Um, we still travel to seven Springs often and both are coaches for the ski team there. So our boys grow up in that program. And that's one way I kind of, um, actively being involved in the, the activities that my kids are doing as a way for me to to make sure I'm available, right? In terms of like practices and things like that and spending time with them. But honestly, skiing is like one of my biggest passions. It gives me that kind of break and kind of take a deep breath. And I, and I tell folks all the time is I, uh, I was, my wife grew up skiing since she was a, a young child. I didn't start until I was uh, later in, in like a high school ski club when I was up in, in Western PA. But one of the coolest things that I, I love about that activity is like when you're on the mountain, there's a lot of freedom. You're outside, you know, it's, it is cold, but like, you know, dressing appropriately is, is the, uh, makes it, makes that bearable. But I just always loved the kind of peace of being on the mountain. And even more so when we did some trips where we went to go out West, where you're really in the middle of nowhere and, uh, you just get a moment of quiet and peace, uh, in the, in, in the outdoors. And that's really what kind of gives me my, my kind of recharging moments of like, take a, take a deep breath and kind of refresh from like the hustle that, uh, the business, uh, the business takes. So I really try to kind of hustle really hard Sunday through, you know, Friday and, and try to take some time off in the winters, like to 
it's, it's, I always joke, it's like my second job. I move off to, to run in the ski team and, and coaching with the kids. But uh, to me, that's more of just a passion and something I really enjoy and love to do. So that's, so, so most would say, well, that's not really avoiding burnout. You're just doing more. But to me, it's, I'm uh, I love working. I love, I, I'm not someone who can sit still. So that keeps me active in things that I really enjoy and gives me a little bit of that mental break that, uh, that keeps me, uh, keeps me focused and, uh, and able to kind of keep pressing forward. Um, I don't think that I do the work-life balance thing, right? <laughs> People say this all the time. I've, I've, uh, I think it's, uh, Robert Hershevac from like Shark Tank. If you watch that ever, I, I really think he's an interesting, interesting business leader, but, uh, he kind of always jokes that there is no such thing as work-life balance when you run a business and people would debate that and say I'm wrong, but it's like there, it's true to some extent, right? Because, um, you're always on when you're running the business. I think you get, can get to a point where we're trying to get to is through having the kind of operational support and structure, you can get to the point where you as the leader can kind of take a step back and not be, um, is worried of like, is something going on? Do I need to be involved? That's what I want to get to. I'm not there yet. Um, it's also a personality thing. I don't know if I'll ever get there fully of, uh, being able to kind of fully step back. But again, that's, that's where, where people kind of differ. Um, I, I try to do my best of like being present and full for the business and focused on what we're doing. And then also being present for my family and any, the other extracurricular activities we get involved in, you know, FC is another one. I really love the impact that our organization has on local, local students. And I think the, the big one for me is I love the Kickstarter program. I think the, the grants that we've, uh, we've, uh, pushed into the local community schools and, and some of the just cool things that are going on for kids in elementary school of like introducing them to coding and, and trying to kind of get them on that path of, of STEM, which is something I loved, you know, growing up and, and still passionately love now, uh, is that technical curiosity of like, you know, it's cool to see from like the, um, younger ages up through, through high school and high school. I mean, the robotics programs are amazing. The coding that, uh, kids are doing at high school now is amazing. Uh, it's just, it's really cool to see how fast paced, like, you know, technology is kind of expanding and, and kind of rolling down through the education systems. So it's a fun thing to be a part of. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I, I knew that scheme was a passion of yours and it sounds like that you really enjoy that. And yeah, the stuff that they're doing in school is pretty amazing. So I'd like to end with uh, a recommendation. I always try to see if there's a recommendation that you, you know, you can have. I, I know that you've you're a reader and you've suggested some books to me in the past. Is there anything that stands out that you think that the audience would enjoy? I think that's the the biggest thing is just continuing to challenge yourself and, and, and educate yourself. Right. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing I look at is I, when I reflect back on, you know, cl clarity in the early days to clarity today, um, I've learned and grown so much and not from just like me reading a book, but it's me reading a book and talking to, uh, friends about it and colleagues about it and challenging the status quo. I love reading business books, but I have never, like for me, it's like I can rec recommend some, I think have some good ideas, but the reality is I pull tidbits from each one of them, right? Um, I haven't found one that's like, this is the holy grail of like how you should operate your business. Like when you read them at first, I get, ex I get excited. I'm like, oh, this is going to change everything. And then I, then I always take a step back and say, okay, like how does this apply to me? And I, th I think that's the important part is like, and what's really cool about our, our industry is it's, it's very friendly to small businesses. Uh, there's a lot of variety of how you can run your business, uh, your, what your focus is, what your specialty is. Um, and it, it gives all of us that opportunity to, to just diversify and be different in terms of, of how we apply things. To me, I'm always constantly trying to push myself to grow and get better. 
Um, I think it drives my wife crazy because she's like, you're never satisfied. And it's, it's not that I'm not satisfied. I'm, I'm very satisfied in terms of like life. And I feel very fortunate of, of the opportunities we have, where we work, our, our families and, and, and what have you. But I'm never satisfied because I know that we can do more, right? And that's what I think is, is really that entrepreneurial spirit that I think many of us have here is that we want to do more. We want to do more for our clients and the mission that we support. And I think the way we do that is just continuing to challenge ourselves and then providing that opportunity. To me, it's not only challenging yourself as an individual, but it's how you run your organization so that you kind of um, flow that through everyone. Of like, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Like, that's the one thing too. I will say is you're going to make mistakes. Like, like my path and and most paths in business have not been perfect. Uh, you're going to make decisions that like, you will probably regret. But at the end of the day, you can never walk back. Right? You can only move forward and you can learn from it. And um, and you can uh, make sure you don't make the same mistake twice, right? But um, but don't be afraid to mistake to make a mistake. You learn more from those challenging moments than just the successful moments. And so that's uh, I guess that's my advice. No, that's uh, that's great advice, and I think that's a great place for us to end. Um, so thank you, TJ, for spending your uh, afternoon with us, and uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And hopefully, you'll tune into the next one. Thanks, TJ. Great. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, thanks again for tuning in to the Inside the Fence Line podcast. A special thanks to Devin McBride, Brendan McBride, Kirsten Miller-Jones, and the Central Maryland FCA chapter for helping to make this podcast come to life. 